Shalom, Mishpucha. Shalom, family. Mishpucha is a Hebrew word. means family. And we're the Mishpucha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. With a middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, it's finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, Mishpucha, to blow the grandest shofar, oh, the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone, everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone, everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. And I have a guest that I should not be talking to right now. He should have been dead many times. And I find that when there's such a diabolical plot to destroy someone, it's almost as if the devil has some inside knowledge that there's something powerful that this person is going to bring forth in the kingdom. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Dr. Jim Richards, your stepfather tried to murder you. Your natural father tried to murder you. They shipped you off to your grandmother, uh, I guess, to save your life. Uh, And she was was crazy, too. Um, You got involved in uh, uh, drugs and alcohol. Uh, uh, You were a rock musician. Uh, How in the world? Did you reverse that life? And in addition to all that, you had kidney disease, uh, and you had a number of diseases from that horrible lifestyle and and everything else. How did you survive? You know, I can I can look back, and I can only I can only assume that somehow God protected me from so many. Uh, horrible opportunities to die, you know. And I went through a, a lot of pain, a lot of physical pain. I went through a lot of emotional pain. But, you know, deep inside me, there was this hunger to know God. And as long as I can remember, even though I lived this horrible lifestyle, even though, you know, as a teenager... But, but, but where'd this come from? How, how in the world, with, with the lifestyle you were living, did you have this hunger to know God? You know, uh, I, now this, my personal belief is that God calls to every heart, that maybe every heart doesn't listen or every heart doesn't respond, but I believe God calls to every heart. And, you know, I've looked back over my life, and the only time I can remember having any involvement with church was when I was a child, and uh, at Christmas one year, my mother, uh, something happened, I don't remember if my Dad beat her up. I really don't remember, but she ended up in the hospital at Christmas, and uh, the church brought us some food. And so when my mom got out of the hospital, we went to church for just uh, just a few weeks. And um, I remember actually then, maybe at four years old or five years old, uh, one night as the service was ending and the pastor walked outside to go to his car, I remember chasing him down the sidewalk, grabbing him by his coat, and and trying to stop him and telling him that I wanted to know God. And uh, he turned to me and just said, well, well you're too young. And uh, uh, so that kind of shot down any, you know, all of my hopes at that moment. But I always wanted to know God, even when I was using drugs, dealing drugs. Uh, I think every night, Every single night when I went to sleep, if I was sober enough to to to, to do so, I would just pray. It's like, God, don't let me die like this. I, I want to know you. 
and I don't want to die like this. Just out of curiosity, as a rock musician, I can just imagine long hair and uh, oh, yeah. the, the way you looked when you walked into church. Uh, were you accepted at all? Uh, no, not really. And this was this was in the late '60s and early '70s. Actually, by this time, and about the, about 1969, I think it was, I, I actually started going to churches and uh, would go to I'd, I'd go to their office during the week, knock on the door, and and uh, ask to see the pastor. Sometimes they wouldn't allow me to. Sometimes I'd get in to see the pastor, and I would go in and say, "Listen, my name is Jim Richards. I'm a." You know, I live here in Huntsville. I'm I'm a drug dealer. I'm a, I, I messed up. I'm on drugs. I'm, I think I'm dying. You know, because by this time, my kidney disease with substance abuse had just really taken its toll on my body. I woke up every morning with pretty much with blood on my pillow. You know, uh, mm. my my skin had was diseased. My hair was falling out. And I would and I would just tell these guys, look, I'm I'm trying to find God. I'm going to hell. I I, I know it, and and I want to find God. And the amazing thing was nobody told me how to get saved. I had people tell me, you're right, you are going to hell. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I had people tell me, don't worry, nobody's going to hell. And, uh, of course, I thought they were all crazy. I just wanted to know God because I knew that I need to get delivered from me. Well, well, Jim, give me a bottom line. What crossed you over to the point where you can say, now I know that I know God. You know, uh, during this period of time, I, I was driving to another city to try out a, a drummer. I was putting together a new band. And um, the bass, the guy that was with me was my bass player, and his cousin We used to help us get drugs in from Atlanta uh, so we could sell and use drugs here. Uh, and his, his cousin had gotten saved. And, of course, we didn't know the term saved. You know, we just said he got he got religion. His name was Ernie. And so uh, I'd asked my friend about getting some drugs in from Ernie, and he said, man, and he said, Ernie's got blank, blank religion, and he's blank and telling me about Jesus, and he's blank and telling me if you're not for God, you're blank and against God. And, and he's just cussing and ranting and raving, but in the process of all of his ranting and raving, I heard enough of the gospel that for the first time in my life, I knew that I had to believe on Jesus, that he died for me, and that you know God raised him from the dead. I didn't really understand what that meant, really, in any great degree. So um, I, I let him out of the car when we finished our, our little road trip, and uh, I'm driving down the road, and I'm, I just said, God, I, I, don't, I don't get this, I don't understand this, but... If I've got to believe on this thing about Jesus dying for me, I, I, I'm willing to believe that, and I'll give you my life if you want my life. And my salvation prayer was one of these prayers where I said, and, and here's the deal. Uh, I'm not going to play church, uh, and I'm not going to believe anything about you that I don't read in the Bible for myself. So if you get a Bible in my hands, and if you will take my life, I'll give you my life. And all I can say is that in that moment, I had a revelation of the love of God where it seemed like I, it seemed like I left my body for an eternity and experienced something that was completely beyond words. And uh, what was interesting, I was crossing a set of railroad tracks. There were about six or eight railroad tracks there, and 
by the time I reached the other side of that railroad track, I'd come back from what seemed like an eternity. And all I knew was at that moment that God loved me and that I was a new man. Where did the passion come for understanding healing? Uh, You know this. I can go to almost any good church in America, I mean, that believes in healing, that preaches healing, and say, everyone that is sick, if you'll stand up, uh, you'll get healed. And 90% of the people will stand up. You have a passion to understand why they're not healed. Right. Why do you have such a passion? Well, you know, I, first of all, you know, I was born with a congenital kidney disease, which, which I really should not have even survived probably the first year of my life. And um, because of that, I had a lot of uh, immune uh, disorders that made me very vulnerable to different diseases. And so throughout my young life, I, you know, I had spinal meningitis, I had swine flu, I had, you just almost name it, plus I had, you know, life-threatening kidney infections on a fairly regular basis. So, so first of all, the experience of living through that kind of physical pain, you know, drove me to great compassion for people. And, you know, I have been involved in all kinds of ministry where I, you know, I have conducted meetings all over the world. I've seen every miracle in the New Testament. Most of them I've seen hundreds of times. But I still have great compassion for those people that are trapped somewhere that that they don't get healed in a meeting. And so many times we just write that off to, okay, they just don't have the faith or, or whatever. But, you know, God loves those people. Jesus died for those people. And the, and the Bible gives us some very serious... You know, my heart goes out to someone that says, I believe that God heals. I've seen lots of people healed. But why doesn't God heal me? And that is the silent prayer of so many Christians today. And I believe you have answers. Well, that's, you know, that's what I set out to find. You know, I, I still lay hands on people. I still believe for the miraculous. I still experience the miraculous. But for that person that is standing there saying, why am I not getting healed? I want to be able to go to some very real biblical answers, and I want to be able to help that person walk through a biblical process so that they put off, you know, the Bible tells us to put off anything related to our old man. And that's not just our old man in the sense of uh, all the wicked things we did, we have done. It's our sense of identity. Any aspect of believing about ourselves that's not based on who we are in Jesus, the Bible tells us to put that off and to put on this new identity that we have in Christ, to put on, to put on Jesus, really. And I have discovered that that. You can't help a person put on what we have in Jesus if there's something from their past, maybe a hurt, maybe a pain, maybe a shame. If they're holding on to that, they cannot put on healing or even happiness sometimes because they're holding on to something that's, that, that they need to let go of. Well, you go pretty deep in your teaching. Uh, you talk about trapped feelings trapped emotions, trapped wrong thinking, and you teach people how to identify it and get rid of it uh, in, in an amazing, simplistic fashion. 
and I do say it's simplistic. It is very simplistic. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, we're making his eight CD set available called Change Your Heart, Change Your World, The Missing Link for All God's Promises. And I can promise you that when you listen to this series, you're going to find things that have been preventing you to believe God's Word with all of your heart. And when these things are removed, you will believe God's Word with all of your heart, and you will see God's Word work, available for a gift of $40. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. Well, I have Dr. Jim Richards on the telephone, and he has three doctorate degrees. He's lived the miraculous. He's seen every miracle multiple times uh, that we read in the Bible. Uh, and for uh, 35 years, uh, he has studied health and alternative medicine and the Bible. And he has—I uh, have to tell you, Jim, as I hear you teach, science is catching up with the words of Jesus. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Finally. Uh, and, but there are blockages yeah. because, no, I mean, I know God's Word is true no matter what I ever see. No matter what I ever feel, no matter what I ever experience, let every man be a liar, but God's word is true. And, that's, and I live and I die by that. However, there are blockages. Help us out. You know, I used to read scriptures like uh, the Bible talking about how that words would go inside of you. And, uh, and I would, uh, when I was in my undergraduate work in theology, I would go and talk to my teachers about this. And, and, and really, they would just give you some kind of abstract, uh, uh, almost mystical answer, which really meant they didn't know the real answer. And as science has caught up with the Bible, we start realizing that literally those things are true. Words that we hear that hurt us, that cause pain in our life, have the capacity to literally go into us and create what we now know to be cellular memories, literally imprinting uh, the feelings, the emotions, the hurt that we have when we hear those words, literally imprinting those into the memory of ourselves, and into the sense of ourself. But wait a second. When you're born again, the Bible says you become a new creation. Uh, so why should we have to deal with those, that, uh, those feelings and emotions that are imprinted into our very selves? Uh, they should all be gone. You know, ideally, that would be what, how we would initially uh, uh, respond to that. But, you know, it's really interesting, the Apostle Paul told us that even though we're believers, we need to put off the old man and put on the new man. And through looking at many of those types of scriptures, what, what we come to realize is that even though we're born again, even though our spirit has been made new, literally, uh, we hold on to some things from our past. 
even though we're forgiven. Now, now we could have been delivered from it if we had really believed that we were a new creation, if we had if we had been nurtured in that from the very beginning, no telling where we could have gone. But there are many things from our past that we either hold on to or we revive even after we've been born again. And so this is why Paul said, now, when you realize that you're holding on to any aspect of who you are outside of Jesus, who you were outside of Jesus, the moment you realize that, you need to put that off, and you need to put on the new man, which is created in the likeness of Jesus. Jim, I'm reminded of a woman I interviewed, uh, Joan Hunter, and she had scientific data that said that people that have literally had organ transplants, an amazing thing occurred. Some of the memories of the people that they took the organ from, the people it was transplanted to, had similar memories. Can you explain that? Exactly right. There, there was actually a landmark murder case where a young, where a young girl was murdered. Her heart was transplanted into another child, and that child began to have a recurring dream of someone killing him. And uh, so it all started after the transplant. So they ultimately tracked it down, found out where the heart had come from, found out that the child had been murdered. And from the description that the child who received the heart, from the description that, that he gave of the person in his dream, they found and convicted this person who had murdered the young girl whose heart had been donated. You see... But anything that we experience that's very powerful, very emotional, it has it has the potential to be imprinted into the memory of our cell. Now, every single cell in our body knows every single thing about us and actually has an imprint of all of the information of our entire being. Now, how far back does this go? I mean, does it go to in the womb? You know, actually, the Bible says... Uh, and, and this is one of those scriptures that people misunderstand. The Bible, uh, Bible says that iniquity can, and iniquity is lawlessness, iniquity can be visited to the third and fourth generation. We realize now, and again, science verifies this, that if, if uh, three, about three generations of a family experience some strong emotion, or for example, a study was done, it takes about three generations of a family living in poverty, that by the fourth generation, the children come out of the womb hardwired, if you will, to have those, a tendency toward those beliefs and toward those emotions. Now, that's not God making that happen, because, you know, God says that the teeth of the children can't be set on edge for the sins of the parents. So it's, it's not God punishing the kids. It's God warning the parents that when we begin to bring things into our life that are destructive, it literally creates the potential to be, to be carried forward uh, for generations until ultimately that fourth generation comes into the world. Okay, that begs a question. Doctors always ask, uh, do your mother, do your father have diabetes? Do they have heart trouble? They're trying to find this pattern because doctors have found if your parents had something, there's a high likelihood you'll have something. It's in your genes. What do you say about that? 
You know, that's well, that's a half-truth. The sad thing, though, is that doctors don't realize what we know from the Bible. See, we know from the Bible that, that the heart—actually, we know this from the Bible and from cutting-edge biology—we know that the heart is the master controller of all of the cells of the body. And so doctors think that—well, uh, they don't think this so much now— but for for years, they have thought that your genes were programmed a certain way. You just came into the world. You were stuck with it no matter what. But we know that if you believe a truth in your heart, it will reprogram your genes. And it can change uh, any any disease that's being carried forward through your DNA. Okay, but explain to me. There's something I don't quite understand. Let's suppose... Well, let's take your case. Uh, I, I know that you had several generations of uh, uh, people that might have been bootleggers. In, uh, right. uh, 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 how many generations did you have? Man, I, I don't even know how far it goes back. I just know that on my father's side of the family, that was uh, – it's really interesting. On my father's side of the family – there were there was extreme alcoholism. There was extreme violence. There was extreme sin and extreme religion. So was it in your genes, or was it, as you say, uh, trapped in your cells? Well, really, that gets down to one and the same thing because ultimately, every every cell is being programmed, you know, by your genes. But but is that actually passing on from generation to generation after three generations of this? It, yes, it, it is actually, and and that's why people come into the world. You know, you look at how the world is progressing. Uh, you know what? At the more I understand, uh, the the more I I can't, can't comprehend the mercy of God. We humans are so messed up. I don't know how anyone functions. You know, I, I'm exactly the same way. I get overwhelmed with the mercy of God when I when I realize the, how we are, what we're struggling with. But the amazing thing is, and this is the thing I always go back to, is when we are willing to believe in our heart, not just our mind, but when we are willing to believe in our heart the truth about what God did through Jesus, we can have a transformation where literally the cells of our body change. You know, you know, when I got saved... Well, well, that's that's pretty powerful. I, I think you need to say that again. You're saying the cells of our body actually can change? Yes. As a doctor, you're saying this? Yes, as, as a doctor, as all of these years of medical research, as working with people in a clinic, you know, I had a clinic for a number of years, working with people in a clinical setting, I saw people change things that doctors had told them their entire life. They would never get over it. They would never get beyond it. Uh, and the real truth is there's nothing beyond the possibility of change if we're willing to believe the truth in our heart about who we are in Jesus and what he what he did to it for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, uh, I think right now I want to hear an actual story of someone that changed and what they did to change. Well, you know, let, let me let me give you two quick stories. You know, one, let me just share a little bit of my own story. You know, I, I was born with this congenital kidney disease. Uh, I'd had spinal meningitis until the blood came out the pores of my skin and was given up for dead. By the time I by the time I got saved, uh, I had I had liver problems. I had I'll tell you what. Let's hold that thought because we're out of time right now. 
Uh, Dr. Jim Richards, uh, you started out telling me uh, about the change that occurred in you as an example of using some of the tools that you've developed. That's right. And, you know, we were talking about this in the context of the fact that when we believe the truth about Jesus in our heart, it literally reprograms ourselves. And to me, that is just phenomenal uh, to, to realize that I become a new person. And, and I don't just become a new person spiritually, but my body begins to change. Everything about me begins to change as a result of coming into Jesus. And I was sharing about the fact that I was born with, you know, with a congenital kidney disease. I'd had several life-threatening illnesses. By the time I was, by the time I was 21, I was, you know, I had a skin disease. My hair was falling out. Uh, I had, you know, my my skull had been fractured. My nose nose had been broken. I had teeth kicked out. I'd been stabbed. My collarbone had been broken. I had some ribs broken. I had my wrist broken. I had some toes broken, some bones in my feet broken. I just, I mean, I was I was a total physical wreck. My kidneys were, were on the verge of collapsing from, from substance abuse. And the amazing thing is, is when I gave my life to Jesus, when I came into this thing, I came into this thing really wanting to be delivered from me, and as much as I knew how, holding nothing back. And you know, also, I had seizures, as, uh, which was, the seizures were affecting me almost more than more than anything. You know, when I gave my life to Jesus, the truth is, most of that went away, and I didn't have somebody pray for me to get delivered. I didn't have somebody pray for me to get healed. The fact that I believed in my heart that I was becoming a new man—you know—I never had another seizure after that. It wasn't just over a period of time the skin disease corrected itself. So many things changed in my life as a result of what changed in my heart. And sometimes people ask me, they'll say, well, well, well you know, that didn't happen for me. But And I'm not trying to be critical at all, but sometimes in talking to those people, I, I discover that when they came to Jesus, they didn't really come surrendering their life completely. They, they didn't even know what they were doing. Yeah, is is to be, uh, and I understand because when I came to Jesus, I knew the reality of the devil, and he rescued me, and I was not going to let loose of him ever again. Exactly. You know, I'd had this lifetime of sickness. I'd had this lifetime of pain and misery and emotional suffering, and and so I was coming. I was giving every part of my being, I, and I really didn't care if I gave my life to Jesus and that meant I died right then, which really is what happened. I just didn't. I didn't understand it. But I've seen this. You know, I've seen people. I, re, I, I get these letters a lot. You know, I tell people this. I say, you know, when I when I do a meeting. I'm not too impressed if I get a letter, you know, a week after I do a meeting and somebody says, man, my, my whole life was changed while you were here. Uh, I don't mean to be cruel, but I kind of think, well, you must not have had much of a life or many problems if it all got changed that quick. But where I really get impressed is when I get a letter a year later or two years later or five years later, like I have so many thousands of times. But I'm thinking of a particular meeting I was doing. There was a lady there who had multiple personality disorder. 
See, this doesn't. It's not just that the cells in our body just change and our feelings, and uh, I mean, our sicknesses go away. But even feelings, deep-rooted feelings, can go away. And she talked about how angry she became when I told the story about someone with a multiple personality disorder getting set free and how easy it was. And she talked about how angry she became because she had, I think, she had a degree in psychology, and you know, she had studied this. And and finally, when she and she was a believer. But when she surrendered herself to the finished work of Jesus, she said, I, she said, I went through a transformation. And she said, now I'm back at work. Now I have my kids, custody of my kids again. Now I'm walking with God. And she said, after, after these years, she said, I waited to write you because I wanted to know if this was really going to work. And so whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, we see people experience changes that are so phenomenal that it's just beyond what you can almost grasp. Well, as I've said several times, uh, and I have listened to your entire 8-CD set called Change Your Heart, Change Your World, uh, science is finally catching up with the words of Jesus. For instance, uh, as you explain from your medical background, that uh, every organ, every part of your body has a frequency, if you will. That's right. And, and if the frequency is not in the harmony that God created it to be in, then you're going to have disorder. Speak to that a little. Yes, you know, God created everything by by spoken words, and every spoken word has a frequency. In fact, we know that every emotion has a frequency. Everything has a frequency. And so when we have an experience in our life where we experience a trespass, an offense, anything that causes us pain or emotion, we, we have two choices. There's only two things we can do when we experience an offense. We can send it away, which is literally what the word forgive means. We can send away that offense, or we can hold on to that offense. And those are the only two choices. If we do not send away an offense, in other words, when these strong, destructive feelings come, whether anger, whether they're shame, or whatever they are, if we do not send them away, which is to forgive, really, then then we hold on to them, and because we hold on to them, ultimately they take up a residence somewhere in our body, much like a virus or a bacteria would. And whatever part of our body they abide in, it's actually what's called cellular memory. It makes an imprint on the cells of our body. Then the frequency of that pain or that shame or that negative thought or whatever it is, that frequency literally, it's it's like having a violin playing with an orchestra that's out of tune. It, it just makes it sound off just a little bit. You know, you said something else in your teaching that uh, amazed me, that if someone went into a room that was 100% silence, they could hear the frequency in their body. That's right. And even in their blood. That even astounded me. It was well, different. Explain me. that. Well, our bodies actually vibrate at a frequency. The problem is there's so much around us, so much noise, and you know that that, that we don't we can't hear it. But tests have been done where people were put in completely soundproof chambers, and when they would sit there and just kind of settle down and begin to pay attention, they would realize that they start hearing a, a, a hum, if you will. 
And that's literally what it is. And that hum is the frequency of their own body and their own blood that that they can hear in total silence, but it can't be heard you know, when you're distracted by all these sounds. Every organ in our body has a unique frequency, and literally, we have a unique frequency. Now, when you hear something's, uh, someone struggling with a particular area, uh, you know the part of their body that is out of kilter because they've taken trauma, offenses, bad words, you name it. Uh, explain that. You know, uh, I, it's really interesting. The Bible talks about, uh, in one place it says, try, you know, uh, uh, try my reins, O Lord. Well, it turns out the, the Hebrew word for reins is kidneys. And I started seeing that there were correlations between, there, there were words that the way we translate them in the King James Bible were not accurate. And I started seeing that there were emotions connected to specific organs of the body. And then as I did medical research, I found out that there was research out there that affirmed this. And so I, I started realizing that somebody came in, for example, for counseling, they had extreme anger problems. I knew that they were always going to have a liver disorder. It just I've never had one time that it, that it didn't turn out that way. Or if a person came in and they were experiencing deep grief, deep sorrow that they just could not escape from, that they were going to have a respiratory problem. So from a biblical perspective, as well as from a scientific perspective, which let me say, I always interpret science by the Bible. I don't interpret the Bible by science. Anything I learn in science or medicine, I go back to the Bible and say, I've got to understand this from the biblical perspective. And so I started realizing that these experiences that we have in life literally they take up they they take up a, a a boat in us. As a matter of fact, the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah seventeen nine, it says this in the King James Version, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Well the word deceitful is literally the word footprints. And it's saying basically it's saying that our heart has footprints and it is very chaotic. Well, these footprints, we now understand, are the frequencies or the cellular memories that are recorded in the cells of our body. I'm sorry. We've run out of time, but you will be so fascinated. But more important than be fascinated, you're going to understand how to get rid of the blockages in your life to operate and activate all the promises of God's Word. Eight CD series called Change Your Heart, Change Your World. The Missing Link for All God's Promises, available for a gift of $40. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. On yesterday's broadcast, uh, Dr. Richards, you were talking about these trapped emotions that are blockages uh, that are in us and this is actually referred to by the prophet Jeremiah. He calls it footprints, uh, if you'll continue on that. Yeah, uh, you know, Jeremiah, says, he says that the heart is deceitful uh, and desperately wicked above all things. Well, we discover in the original language that really, he, he says the heart is covered with footprints, and that's why it's filled with chaos. And these footprints, these are imprints upon, upon our heart that are affecting us 
to this very day. Uh, g- give me an example of some of the uh, imprints that could be on someone's heart. Just, just give me a list. Let's say if, if you got molested when you were a child. Let's say if you experienced deep rejection or anywhere in your life. Any pain or emotion that you have experienced that you did not deliberately send away from you has the capacity to take up a, a residence in the cells of your body. And it actually creates a warfare. You know, the Apostle Paul said something I found very interesting. He said, I find this there's a war in my mind, and you, understand, you, you, you get that. And he says, then there's a war in my body. But then he says, there's a war in my members. And I'll tell you, for years, I didn't. I just overlooked that. And I realized when he says members, that's literally the parts of his body. He says there's something in the parts of my body that's warring against me. And I believe that something is exactly what Jeremiah was talking about, is these footprints that have come from the pain and the suffering of life. You know, for example, I, I have dealt with uh, very commonly people who have been molested. And so a person gets molested, and, and, and it's a time of deep pain, deep shame, and, and deep suffering. And, and we know that things get written on the heart as a combination of information at times of strong emotion. So let's say a little girl is getting molested, and let's say that her molester is saying what almost all molesters are saying, you know you want this, or he's saying, I'm just doing this because I love you. So this child has this strong information that says this is happening because of love, and this strong emotion gets written on their heart, and there's a lot of shame and there's degradation, but they don't know what to do with it because they're a child. So later in life, when when they desire to be in a loving relationship, immediately they find themselves going to some place that's very immoral, even though they're trying to serve God, they want to walk with God, and they don't even understand where this is coming from. And 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 you know they try everything in the world to get rid of this, but what they don't realize is they have a cellular memory or a footprint, if you will, that is in their members warring against them. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, Let's take another subject, Uh, pornography. Uh, The psychiatrists say you'll always have that problem, but you have to learn how to control it. That's not what you're saying, is it? No, that's not what I'm saying. You see, remember the word forgive literally means to send away. See, we think about forgiveness as when somebody has wronged me, that person does something bad, something that's painful, something that, that, that hurts me. We think of forgiveness as, I'm going to tell that person that it's all right. It doesn't matter what they did to me. But in fact, forgiveness is not what I do about the person who has wronged me as much as forgiveness is what I do about the offense that I'm experiencing. You know, Jesus warned us that whenever our brother offends us, we better take heed. Well, Why? Because when our brother offends us, it becomes an offense, and an offense is something that has the capacity to make me stumble. And I can stumble toward my brother by treating him, you know, justifying all kinds of anger and wrath or murder or anything because of the pain that my that this person has brought into my life. Well, you know, it, it, it's not just an area of uh, forgiveness. It could be shame. Uh, it, it, it could be fear. 
Uh, it could be any of these things. And what I found fascinating is you talk about people react to circumstances, and they're really not reacting to circumstances. They're reacting to those memories that are trapped inside of them. And they think that it's the circumstance that's causing them to uh, be fearful or to be angry or some other emotion or be ashamed. Uh, but it's got nothing to do with that. And so they're going in a big cir- uh, circle getting nowhere. Exactly right. See, that offense that they experienced from that person because because they didn't know they could send it away, it becomes trapped in, in them. So let's say if it's— All right, give me an example, though, before, uh, of someone that actually sent it away. Well, to, you know, to send something away is where it is, it's, it is so simple that it's disgusting. And, and also explain what you mean by send it away. Right. Well, again, the word forgive means to send away. Jesus said that when offense comes, I can I can forgive, I can send it away, or I can hold on to it. And those are the only two options. Now, whether we understand those are the only two options or not, that is what happens. So let's say, for example, you know, when I was a child, my, my stepfather, when I was 18 years old, I went back home to visit, and uh, my stepfather broke into the room, and he stabbed me in my sleep and would have killed me. If uh, if I had not gotten away, so I've got all this rage toward my toward my stepfather. Now I didn't know it at the time, but I had a choice that I could have sent that rage away. Now that had nothing to do with how I felt about my stepfather, but see, I spent years in rage. I spent years when I would get in a circumstance that was threatening. I would just go crazy with violence and with rage that didn't even make sense. But what I was really doing is I was tapping into that offense, that cellular memory that I'd held on to all of those years. And so the time came in my life, and I discovered that I have the authority to do this as a child of God and really just as being created the likeness and the image of God. I can take authority, and particularly because I'm a believer, I can take authority over anything that's affecting me. Even though it's such an old memory that was trapped uh, that you don't even think about it anymore. I, I, I mean, how do you deal? I know how you can deal with something the minute it happens if you're you have the tools and you're aware of doing it. But how do you take care of the things that happened uh, when a child was in the womb? You know, I was praying and meditating one day, and and I was just well, I was in that place in my heart where I was connecting with God, and and I and I just and so I, I know that fear is is what caused me to have a kidney disease because fear affects your kidneys. And I was just praying. I was like, God, I can't, how, how did I get this kidney disease? And, you know, I was at one of those places where instantly I had what was, I guess, was like a small, a mini vision, so to speak. I could hear my father's voice, and my father was being cruel to my mother. And then I heard my mother's voice, and and she said, after I deliver this baby, he'll start beating me again. And I realized that what I was, what the Lord was allowing me to see and hear was when I was in the womb, my mother lived in fear of what would happen to her again. So in the womb, I had this fear literally imprinted in my cells, and while my kidneys were being formed, it, it affected my kidneys. So I, you know, I get down the road here. Here I am. You know, at this point, you know, I'm in my in my 30s, or maybe even 40s when I when I have this experience, and so. Immediately, 
I just I just went to that place and I and I said, fear. I send you away in the name of Jesus. And in my heart, I, I did everything I could to experience and see in my heart to see that fear leaving me. And so one of the things I'll do then is, is I'll say, okay, I want to I see if this is really working. And I might take a scripture, for example. I might, I might take a scripture about, let's say, about, about healing because that got down to healing. I might quote the scripture and say, by his bruising, I am healed right now. I'm completely made whole. And I'll just stop and wait a few minutes and see what, what do I really feel when I say that. And my first feeling was doubt. Well, this isn't really going to work. Then at that point, I'm going to say, did, did Jesus take care of doubt whenever he, whenever he uh, was raised from the dead? Did he conquer doubt? Yes, he did. Am I in Jesus? Yes, I am. Well, then if I'm in Jesus, I don't have to have this, so I'm going to send away this doubt. So literally, I just say, doubt, I send you away in the name of Jesus. And then I quote that scripture again. I thank you, Father, that by the stripes, by the bruising of Jesus, I am healed right now. Healing is mine. I am whole and well. And I just wait and see what I feel. And maybe the next feeling that comes up is, uh, uh, is embarrassment. Maybe, you know, you're in the ministry. You're, you should you should have already conquered this. It's, it's embarrassing that you haven't dealt with this. And I'm going to ask myself the question, did Jesus do anything about embarrassment when God raised him from the dead? Yes, he did. He conquered it. Am I in Jesus? Yes, I am. Do I intend to get rid of this embarrassment? Yes, I do. Uh, embarrassment, I send you away. You're not from God. I have no pla- You have no place in me. And I'll go through every emotion, and sometimes you'll go through layers of emotion because you spend your life having different emotional reactions uh, to the same problem. And when I get to the place where I come down and say, okay, by his stripes and by his bruising, I am healed. And by the blood of Jesus, you know, I, I acknowledge I've been washed, da, 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 I'll go through this. And when I can quote that promise and feel absolute peace. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I we're out of time. Dr. Jim Richards is going to help you. He's going to help you manifest every promise in God's word. And this is what you want for your life and for your loved one's lives and for the people God's going to have cross your path. Now, Jim, on yesterday's broadcast and all this week, you've been talking about these trapped emotions uh, and how they literally, as James says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, and they make us double-minded. They get in the way of, of the manifestation of the answer of God's promises. When you dealt with these emotions, as God taught you and as you teach on your HCD series called Change Your Heart, Change Your World, tell me the changes that occurred in your life. You know, so many times the changes that occur in my life, of course, are physical changes where I experience physical healing. And what's really interesting, many of the physical healings emerge not because I prayed for healing, but because I dealt with these trapped emotions and sent them away, and maybe a few days later or a week later, I would suddenly realize I'm not struggling with arthritis in my elbow anymore, or I'm not struggling with that lower back pain anymore. I've actually experienced more serendipitous healings through sending away trapped emotions then I have, and I've experienced incredible healings, you know, getting prayed for, and, I'm, and I believe in that, I'm for that. 
But I have found that in daily life, if I'll just deal with these things when they emerge, uh, I just I just get well because suddenly I'm not filled with these things that are creating death. But even you know we want to be happy and praise God for physical healing. I am so thankful for physical healing. But the real truth is, I talk to people every day that are hurting emotional, and they said, you know, I can deal with my physical pain, but I can't deal with my emotional pain. And I have found that things that used to just set me off, things that would just would put me into, you know, to a tailspin emotionally, maybe frustration. As a matter of fact, in my life, I had a lot of struggles with abandonment uh, issues because, and with not feeling like people receive love, which is a form of rejection. You know, the honest truth is I, I don't struggle with that anymore because when those things would come up, I would, I would pray and send those things away, and and I would find that when my wife did some things she used to do that in years gone by would make me kind of feel unloved, I found it doesn't affect me that way anymore. I might have the same thought, you know, a thought might cross my mind, but that thought has no power, has no feeling, has no ability to drag me back down. So, you know, there and there's nothing magic about this prayer. And I'm not, you, you know, you and I have talked a lot, Sid. I'm not much of a formula person, but you, but uh, you have this prayer uh, transformation, I call it, that you were going to. It's going to be on a bookmark that goes with the eight CD series. Uh, and it is, such, uh, I find myself saying this often during the day as these emotions reveal themselves. Uh, and right. I think it's, I feel as though layer after layer is coming off of me. And that's exactly how I feel. So it's a, it, it, people call it peeling the onion. You know, you just, you just deal with it as it comes up. See, uh, but, but let me ask you this question. Uh, you've mentioned a lot of physical healings that occur, and it'd be good if it was just that. But how about in the financial arena? Does it help there? You know, in the, in the recent years, I faced one of the most challenging financial situations ever, I had um, someone, an accountant, embezzle every penny that I had. And uh, I came home from a mission trip one day to find that that very day my house was going to be foreclosed on, our ministry property was going to be foreclosed on. I was $600,000 in arrears on bills and $2 million in the red. You can just imagine what kind of pressure that immediately created for a minute. If you didn't have a heart problem, you would have gotten one over that. <laughs> and, you know, here's the thing about the prayer transformation. You know, it, it was a day-by-day thing where I would come into the office every day, and my staff would meet me and say, okay, if, sometimes it would be like, if we don't have $100,000 by 3 o'clock today, we're, we're losing everything, and what are we going to do? And I would say, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to go to the place of peace. We're going to go to a place where God can speak to us, but we got to put this stuff off first. And and we would pray, and we would bring ourselves back down to the place of peace, committing ourselves to the Lord. And, you know, and God would always lead us through solutions. And, and day by day, we walked through that, and God led us in great, what I call, Holy Ghost solutions, and we walked that out to where a, a year and a half or two years later, without ever even taking up a special offering, we had all of our bills caught up, and everything was in the black just as it was supposed to. So that was one incredible situation. There was actually another situation where I needed to add a particular skilled or skill set to some of our ministry, 
efforts. And I'd been looking for this person, looking for this person, looking for this person. And so I began to just do some heart exercises. And every time this would overcome me and discouragement would come and say, you tried to find this person, you've hired two or three people to do this, you've spent money, you can't find anybody to do this. And I just, uh, you know, every time that would come, I would pray, pray that prayer. I'd bring myself back to the place of peace. And as I'd come back to the place of peace, you know, God would just speak to my heart and just say, be still, be still. And what was incredibly interesting is somebody called me within just a few weeks that I didn't even remember that I had ministered to years ago. And they said, you know, you helped me so much. I'm starting a new company. And when he described to me what his company was doing, it was the exact skill set that we needed. And he said, what I would like to do is I would just like to donate this this work to your ministry. And they did. And our income increased 58%, I think it was, over the next 30 days. In other words, when you can get rid of the junk, you can have God's prayers activated, whether it's finances, health, or marriage, or anything. That's right. When you've got all these emotions and feelings weighing you down, it's like falling off of a ship trying to swim to shore, holding on to your suitcase. But once you let go of that suitcase, it's easy to pop up to the top and swim to shore. How about marital difficulties? Oh, man. Listen, dealing with my with these trapped emotions and these things from my past has done more to transform my marriage. You know, Brenda and I deeply, deeply love each other, and really, I didn't think it could get any better, but it, it keeps getting better. We've been married 31 years, and it keeps getting better and better and better, primarily because I don't bring so many of my past issues into it anymore. Uh I, I would like you to briefly summarize the prayer of transformation. Uh, give us an idea of what it's like. You know, when, I, when, I, when a feeling comes up, a feeling or emotion comes up, for example, let's say my wife goes to the grocery store. Um, this, is, this seems frivolous, but this is the kind of stuff we do. When my wife goes to the grocery store, there's something I wanted her to get for me. She comes back. She didn't get it. She didn't remember to get it. And so this feeling pops up that, that says, well, you know, if she cared about you, she would, you know, she would have gotten this immediately, right there. I'm going to stop. And and again, it's it's not just the fact that you pray this prayer word for word. People can do it however they want to. I wrote this out because I found most people won't stop if they don't have a tool. But I'll pray something like this: Father, go to the very root of my being and resolve the origin of this feeling, in order to bring every aspect of my spirit, soul, and body into harmony with your truth and my identity in Christ. Search through every generation, every cellular memory, every action, every expression, which has manifest in every aspect of my being, and heal me completely according to the finished work of Jesus. Fill me with life and light, love, righteousness, peace, and joy, until I completely forgive myself for every inappropriate way that I've expressed my distorted perceptions and destructive behavior, and forgive every person, place, and circumstance that has contributed to this thought or feeling because I choose to express my love for myself by allowing every mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical problem and inappropriate behavior based on this root problem recorded in my DNA to be transformed. I choose being kind. I feel kind and merciful. I am kind and merciful. I am in Christ. It's finished. It is done. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for the grace of God to live in this identity in Christ. 
I believe this is such an important missing link in your mentoring process. I want you to get this eight CD series called Change Your Heart, Change Your World, the missing link for all God's promises, and that supernatural prayer called the Prayer of Transformation. You're going to have on a Bible bookmark that whenever these trapped emotions raise their ugly head, you know how to put it off and then put on your true nature. We're making this all available for a gift of $40. I urge you to get this. It's an area that will revolutionize you walking in all the promises of God. This is the Shabbat broadcast. I want to, and this, this is this eight CD set, by the way, is available for a gift of $40. I want to bless you. The Lord has already blessed you. The Lord has already kept you. The Lord has smiled upon you. The Lord has gifted you. The Lord has surrounded you with his favor. The Lord has granted you his shalom. He already has granted you his shalom. That means in Hebrew, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. In the name of the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, Yeshua HaMashiach Sikenu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural!, Visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina. 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime 1 800 447 2697. For all other calls, the number is 704 943 6500. That's 704 943 6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S I D R O T H. Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.